Welcome to Kava and Kettlebells, where we talk about kava, fitness, and life. Let's get kava fine. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is Charles. Hey guys, this is Heidi. Thank you so much for tuning back in. If you haven't already, please rate and review our podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Follow us on Instagram at kava underscore kettlebells. Share with your friends and family and really help us get this message out. All right, we're really excited for our guest today. It is Dr. Ramina, internal medicine physician. So Ramina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I just love what y'all do with this show and everything y'all talk about. So I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we are so excited to have you. And I'm really excited for our audience to um, just hear from you, especially, you know, being a doctor. Um, And you have a fascinating um, history and background. So I'd love for you to just kind of um, introduce yourself. You know, I know you said you were a former Air Force, um, an an immigrant, and being a female physician, that is a huge accomplishment. So we'd love to hear just kind of your journey, how you got here, and we'll kind of go from there. Thank you. Um, Yes, absolutely. So my journey started way back. Um, I like to say, of course, my, you know, my family is an immigrant family. So we came here to pursue, um, of course, the the American dreams, what we all think about. But, um, you know, the way my parents raised me, we didn't have the best of everything. It was all hard work and it really built the character to, uh, the, it built my character to be the person that I am today. Um, you know, so everything that we went through, the hardships taught me so much that, you know, normal resources that are provided, uh, if I had that, I wouldn't be where I am today. So being a South Asian woman, um, being the first generation to be in the U.S. and even pursue a, a college degree out of my family, um, I had to find my own way and find my own resources and mentors. Um, and so out of high school, I decided to join the Air Force. And this was way back in 2003. I decided to join. Um, and I, being an 18-year-old, almost 19-year-old um girl, I ended up getting deployed to Iraq with security forces. So that definitely opened up my eyes to a whole different world, into a war zone and into just uh, growing up. Now, I remember being out there, out in the field, it really pushed me to figure out what I wanted to do. And it really instilled the confidence that I never had and pushed me to pursue my dreams. And, you know, I know I was never told I could be a doctor. So I had to figure that out, met some great mentors to help guide me that direction. Um, so I decided to go for it. And um, through my own struggles and uh, finding my way, I made it to med school, um, went through there. And of course, the military helped fund all my education, actually, starting from undergrad. Actually, I should go back. So undergrad at UT with nutrition. Um, So that's always been the pillar of what I believe, not just in traditional um, medicine, but a whole person. And then, of course, going into medical school. Then after medical school, getting a residency, extra training in internal medicine. Um, So, you know, what was interesting is right out of residency, that's when COVID hit. And so that even brought forward a different perspective. Oh, for Being fresh, sure, yeah. You know, fresh out of residency, you have, you're, you're like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, I'm going to change the world, I'm going to go save lives, but then COVID hits yeah. and you see the beast of what medicine is, you know? Yeah. That's, and you that's see all the aspects of just shareholder interest and a big gap within the health system. Um, so, you know, of course we went through COVID and, you know, I was really burnt out as most people in the medical field already are in insurance-based practices and in the hospital setting. What I saw was, you know, I went to to medical school to truly save people. Now in the acute setting, that's great. The hospital setting is great to save your life if you have like a heart attack or a stroke, but there's a whole population in between that is not able to fully thrive, right? Like we look at this country where aging is looked down upon. The last 10 years of your life is just in and out of the hospital. You're decrepit and the quality of life goes down, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And you're right. And, and 
mainstream medicine also has a pitfall where, yes, it's a standard approach, it's standard care and labs, but you're missing out a lot. And so that's where I found functional medicine, where it actually is personalized medicine with the emphasis of lifestyle, um, and you include, you know, sleep, the way you eat, your relationships, mind, body, spirit, everything, because all that is important in a complex human being. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, that's where I ended up going down that path. And then I decided, you know what, I feel like I could do more. I'm just going to make my own company. And so that's where I decided I could do everything, bring wellness and help people actually thrive on a personal level, according to them and their needs and just build a community of people that also want to pursue the same. And so that's where I am today. That's how I came to Dr. Romina. That is awesome. I love that. So I want to kind of rewind a little bit. And um, you mentioned just, you know, the medicine, conventional medicine in our society. And I totally agree. I feel like in America specifically, it's not healthcare, it's sick care. And we really just, we treat the sickness and we don't treat, you know, that root cause of it. And we don't try and make the the person healthy wholly. Um, we just treat, put band-aids on things and, and treat specific illnesses. So we are passionate about functional medicine. I think, I wish that's how all medicine was. So I would love <laughs> for you to give our audience um, just a deeper dive into what does that mean? Like what is functional medicine versus conventional medicine? Well, you definitely um, started out great with that. It's definitely a difference between bandage approach versus root cause. So of course, when you look at conventional medicine, it starts with, yes, bandage approach. It just focuses on your symptoms and doesn't really dive deep considering everything that you need. It's standard, standard lab, standard care, and just mostly medicinal. So that brings you on the other side with functional medicine. It's focused on getting to root cause. It's a personalized approach to care. So instead of just adding the standard medicine and just move forward, it actually dives deep. You get to look at advanced labs that conventional medicine won't look look at. And we can dive deeper into what the difference between those labs are. But just to kind of give an idea, it actually breaks down deeper labs so you could target according to your own biochemistry and your needs. And then of course your environment, your um, sleep, your nutrition, your stress relief, how are you exercising? Are you doing the right type of exercise as well as recovery? And then of course the mind, body, spirit. So that's where um, I feel like functional medicine really shines. And you don't have to be sick to see a functional medicine uh, physician, right? So it could be Maybe you have been sick for a while. Maybe you've, uh, you're just tired all the time. And if you go to a traditional doctor, they'll be like, well, your labs look fine. You're fine. Um, and, you know, you get dismissed. But realistically, you still have so much to look at. Well, why yeah. are you fatigued? Did you look at everything else on your advanced panels? Are you not sleeping right? What's your stress response, you know? I mean, there's so much you could do to dive and really make a difference in someone's life. And, of course before even symptoms show up. That's also another target where you could focus on longevity and optimally thriving. So you can be productive the last 10 decades or 10 years of your life and so forth. Yeah. No, Ramina, that's like, this, this stuff gets like me and Heidi, like so excited. Yeah. About <laughs> so like, I'm really excited to kind of get into it more. And I, I kind of do actually want to hear, a breakout more kind of on the labs um, as we kind of get more to the podcast. But I do want to just kind of back up a bit. I'm curious to kind of see. So when you were kind of in the hospital setting and you chose to kind of go out on your own and do functional medicine, uh, just kind of curious, like how did your like colleagues and mentors kind of perceive that? Was it, was it kind of like a, was it welcomed or did you have like kind of questions? Like how'd that look? So, well, I still work in the hospital setting. It's my day job. Um, that is also part of, I, I want to still continue so I can keep up my skills because there's a place for life-threatening issues. Right, right. There's actually two schools of thoughts where there are 
more open-minded physicians, the more traditional, I hate to say it, like older crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I have old friends too, but like old mindsets. Um, they're just stuck in their ways and okay. they don't understand, right? Like you go to medical school and you're told, okay, for instance, for diabetes, the first line of treatment is lifestyle. Well, you don't really get educated on what lifestyle means. And then the patient is just lost in the system. Well, I don't know what lifestyle means. Right? I don't know if this is a good carb. Am I supposed to go walk, run, lift weights? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And, right. you know, it's really focusing on science, just lifestyle is included. So there's two schools of thoughts, right? Like, they're the more um, progressive colleagues of mine are actually really into it. They're really supportive. And, um, you know, and I, and I love that. I love the support that they believe in everything that, you know, this field is doing and pushing it forward because that also drives into like the burnout yeah. of traditional medicine. So yes, there's two schools of thoughts that if you truly understand it, because there's a, a fine line, right? There's people, when you say holistic medicine, gets confused with functional medicine. And there's a difference there where anyone can technically practice holistic medicine and and maybe it might not be backed by, you know, any data. And so people might consider that, and I use this term, woo-woo. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I think that's where you kind of, you have to clarify misinformation. And I think more trusting sources that come forward will actually bring forth um, what real functional medicine is. And actually, it's actually, it's coming into um, the Ivy Leagues too, right? Like look at Harvard and Johns Hopkins. They're actually putting forward data that functional medicine has been talking about for years, right? Like there's a whole bunch connected to mind... Um, gut brain access yeah the type of food that you eat and the impact of mental health like it's all coming forward so if you know conventional medicine wants to not really agree with that you can't really argue with ivy league schools with pretty robust studies right <laughs> well so uh, Rumi, i'm curious if you don't mind just kind of you know based on like what you've seen what are a few things that you've seen kind of come out of the functional medicine world uh, i guess into the I won't call it mainstream, but kind of to the more conventional side now. That's, I guess, being more... That's finally being talked about. Yeah, accepted or or even, like, practice that you see now. Yeah, well, I I would love to talk about the gut-brain axis and also with mental health, right? So... With everybody um, knows that the brain is part of the nervous system, and most people are only aware of just one component of the nervous system, which is your brain. But your gut actually has a separate nervous system of itself called the enteric nervous system, and it's connected. It goes bi-directionally. So if your gut is inflamed by, say, stress, the highly processed foods that people eat in America or um, you know, if you're inflamed, have mental um, imbalances in your brain, it goes back and forth. So there's a big connection there. Um, and you can modify that. You can modify it, target it with lifestyle. And of course, get advanced labs to figure out where it is off balance. And then also going into the mental health, there's, um, you know, Harvard has a department of um, in their in their uh, psychiatry department, they actually came out with um, a lot of data talking about, you know, with mental health, of course, now conventionally people will throw antidepressants and maybe do some sort of therapy, but there's a certain small, there's a percentage of non-responders. So what do you do for them, right? And so what you can actually target is lifestyle. Now there was, there's a whole bunch of information about like the ketogenic diet and its impact on seizures. Um, but what's interesting is you can actually use certain components of diet and exercise and other lifestyle components to improve your mental health. Um, and then of course you can go down to the route of, um, psychedelics and, you know, ketamine and plant medicine, all those have such a profound impact as well. So you can, target holistically um, and it improves it. And those are some of the modalities that I think are bridging the gap between um, conventional medicine and functional medicine. Yeah, I love that. And I love what you said too about just changing your lifestyle first and how that can be a solution in a lot of situations. And I totally agree. I have so many clients who have spent 
so long, years and years on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medicines, so many different medicines that aren't really working. And then they're with me for a month and we work on you know, incorporating fitness habits and their nutrition. And they're like, holy cow, I was able to, you know, reduce my dosage by half or even wean off of it. And they're like, this is crazy. I'm like, I know, like that, that should be society's first go-to, like their first defense. Um, And so it's exciting to see that more medical people are recognizing that and encouraging that. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like Functional medicine is also more like proactive medicine versus conventional medicine is more reactive. Like functional, like you said, you don't have to be sick. You just want to prevent yourself from getting sick. You want to make sure your body is just in a good homeostasis versus a lot of times I feel like conventional medicine is just fixing the issue once it happens. Would you? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yes, for sure. And you know, again, it goes back to the power of lifestyle and, you know, and the information that's out there. So one, one of the examples I love to use is my clients that come in too, my patients that come in is for the most part, they're healthy, but, you know, to actually optimize like their gut health, their uh, microbiome and making sure they're eating nutrient dense foods. One of the things that's important is, and most people don't know about is the amount of protein and the type of exercises to incorporate, to um, tap into uh, the longevity switches and, you know, just being preventive in that sense. So yes, the lifestyle in itself, adding the right type amount of protein, the switching up, like exercising between, um, you know, you got like the high intensity, you got the um, weights and everything you could do, but then also adding in some yoga or whatever the case is, it's, it's impressive how it's, it's, uh, patients are like impressed by adding those balances and how good they feel. But then also when you talk about advanced labs, so one of the examples I like to add is when you do go to the traditional labs, you pretty much won't get diagnosed with diabetes or pre-diabetes until you get, um, there's something that traditional medicine will draw. It's called an A1C. And that's just one lab, but you don't get to see the whole picture. So conventional medicine misses out that part. Functional medicine will actually break down even advanced labs. So if you look at what your insulin and your glucose um, and other components of possibly metabolic syndrome that could be creeping up, you can catch it before you're actually diagnosed with diabetes. So isn't that amazing? Like you can actually check the lab pattern before you go. (laughs) I'm I'm curious and like, I won't try to get like too far into the weeds because like that's how my mind works. I want to keep it like somewhat, (laughs) somewhat digestible for people. Layman's terms. (laughs) I, I, I can seriously like probably ask you questions for hours. Um, I, I would I, love that. We can talk <laughs> about that for hours. So I kind of want to go back just because I'm personally, I'm, I'm really big on mental health. And just because of the community that I'm from uh, in the military, you see a lot of PTSD. Uh, you see a lot of TBIs. Um, and just uh, it, it's unfortunate because I, I'm 100% with you on lifestyle. And a lot of people in the military I see, they're they're not not living the best lifestyle right um and you have a really high rate of mental health issues in the military um and one thing that i just always see what, what kills me is just seeing people's diets um you know it's just not not good diets and trying to learn the, the right habits of eating but you had mentioned something and i've i've looked into the studies before with the ketogenic diet and the seizures um now going back to what you said on mental health and just a few of the foods that can even affect mental health, like, again, without going crazy too far into the weeds, um, was there stuff off the ketogenic diet that's been correlated to mental health or certain foods from the diet? Like, what what have you been seeing? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I completely agree. Mental health is a big issue, especially in the military. And diet, you mean you don't get the best quality of food when you're having a mass production to feed the troops, right? So yeah, the it's natural. Is not good at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say to keep it simple, um, it really comes down to 
the way food is processed these days, now you don't have to jump into just the ketogenic diet. I think the main takeaway is the highly processed refined sugars and sugars being like processed carbs, right? Like wheat is not the same as it used to be or in different countries. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And then also when you think about like conventionally raised, um, meat versus pasture-raised or grass-fed, that makes a difference too. And then, of course, just having more whole, fresh foods, that um, is a big deal. But I also want to bring another component. If your gut, so remember how I mentioned like the gut-brain axis? There is um, a phenomenon called leaky gut. Yeah, yeah. And and, um, it's, it's, it kind of, um, I would say to keep it simple, the main idea is if you're eating highly processed foods, eventually the barrier that is in your gut lining loosens up, right? And so things that normally don't go through are going through, and that creates an inflammatory response in your body, meaning that those foods are looked upon as if they're foreign. So then what that means in symptoms wise is maybe you're not able to eat the foods like you used to. Maybe you can't tolerate um, gluten anymore or dairy or, you know, eggs or certain things. So if you're eating everything and it's inflamed because of that gut brain access, it's bi-directional. And so, yes, you can have, I would say an angry gut and an angry mind. And so you, it goes bi-directionally in that sense. So with food, it really does matter what you have been putting into your body. That's one. And then if you think about chronic stress, right? Like people with PTSD, your body doesn't know the difference between being in a stress response, right? Like if you're in a war zone or if you're in a fight or flight response, certain amount of time it's protective so you're going to produce something called the cortisol um hormone and that's your stress hormone so that wrecks your whole body if it's off right so that wrecks into your hormones um so the way you sleep your gait by uh your your weight your body composition your libido everything is affected um So when you think about mental health, if you're replaying certain triggers in your mind, then you're going to be producing that stress response. And so breaking off that cycle and also the same thing that's produced by processed foods, right? So processed foods and anything that causes stress in your body, if you break that cycle and be it the power of lifestyle, whether it's breath work or, you know, eating better, exercising, whatever the case is, those are easy targets that have such a big impact and resetting your entire nervous system. Yeah, I love that. That is is just so true. And I feel like people don't understand how powerful the gut is. And I always say like the gut is really what controls our entire system. And if your gut is off, you know, that can affect your behavior, your emotions, everything. Um, so yes. I love that you like focus on that. That's huge. Yeah, this, to me, it's frustrating because I was just looking at the recent um, statistics on obesity in America. And, you know, just how they're, it, they're, it's skyrocketing, it's getting out of control, even among, you know, kids. Um, and, like, you just go, like, every time we go to the grocery store, I'll, and I'm not, like, trying to sound condescending and, like, on my high horse, but <laughs> <laughs> to, to some extent, but, like, you look at people's carts, and it, it's, it's rare to see a non-processed food, like, something that's not in a box, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you just look at the, you know, I don't know, you just look at all the problems going on, the health problems, the mental health problems, and like, it, it's so true, it all comes back to what you put in your body and how you move it. Um, now, for for someone, I guess, like, who were to come to you, and who's kind of been in, you know, a rut, and maybe have been eating processed foods, not moving, what are kind of like the first, like steps you take with that that patient or that person to get them on track well because it's a personalized approach i i may be an expert with the tools but it's really a team approach what is it that's going to 
fit the patient, right? It's starting small. So then eventually over time, it becomes a habit and a lifestyle. So honestly, if it's someone that doesn't even want to pick up a vegetable yet, doesn't know where to find a good vegetable or even start moving, I've started with, you know what, let's just start eating the color of the rainbow. Pick one vegetable every day, then make it a meal, every meal, like three times a day and go from there. And if it's just to get moving, go take a step outside in the sunshine, get outside, get some fresh air, get that vitamin D. (laughs) And, um, you know, just walk for five minutes and then see how your body can move and find out what you like. So, you know, we could start simple and a little bit goes a long way, even with um, being more present and mindful and breath work. When people are super anxious, I just ask them, you know what? This is easy. It won't even interrupt your day. Before everyone gets up, maybe while you're in your bed, just ground yourself, take a deep breath, gratitude. If you believe in a religion or you just want to focus on breath, whatever the case is, set your intention for your day. And that sets you off. Because again, it goes back to that cortisol response too. You want to set that off, right? So it's little steps and it's really whatever works and is sustainable. That's what I'm going for. And I've seen such great success stories and quality of life and, and I'm grateful for that. I love that. And I love how you're um, almost like setting the foundation because I totally agree. It's better to start out small, um, build that foundation. You're you're focusing on those habits. That's kind of what we focus on um, at my company too with our clients is getting you in that habit. Then we can always grow from there. Now, I always get the, the question. I, I love that clients are so excited, but that they always are really anxious. They want the results immediately. And, you know, like three weeks have gone by and they're like, why am I not seeing the results? When, when am I going to see these results? Um, so it's, it's, it's a hard question to answer for them, especially just because everyone is so different and it's so personalized. Um, but how do you, you know, if someone has spent years and years damaging their gut and their, just their body, that can take a long time to heal them. So what do you tell them as far as expectations? Expectations as far as like a timeline oh yeah definitely that's such a good point because we live in a, a time where everybody wants things done like yesterday yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um I'm, I'm honest with them right I, I first ask are you ready to invest time in yourself right because if you don't do it now then you will pay for it the last decade of your life so I really ask a hard look you know it took you a while to get this way. And yes, it will take time, but it's going to be sustainable and doable. So it's just baby steps and you will get there over time. And and people are receptive to that because I don't make promises, right? It's really the work that you put in and it will take time. And it's actually, um, I feel like it's a better outcome and a more fulfilling outcome knowing what they're getting into because it's done right. It's not a bandage approach. It's one of the the best comments I've had is, you know what, this is the first time someone's actually sat down and listened to me from a different perspective. Because I sit there at least 60 to 90 minutes that first visit to truly dive deep and understand everything. And even that visit in, in itself is very therapeutic for people. So that gives them the motivation that this will be different. And yes, it'll take time, but it's good. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think one thing, too, I see, because, you know, I'm sure, do you, are you much like a kind of like, do you follow like the kind of like the biohacking space and kind of some of the influencers and people within that, the, the whole biohacking world? <laughs> yes, I, I'm yeah. part of that. Yeah. I like that, too. <laughs> yeah. We could talk about that, too. So, no, like, I'm, <laughs> trust me, like, I'm, I'm very much into it, too. And I think what, what I see that turns a lot of people off is, like, Cause you look at some of these biohackers in their daily routine, right? And it's like from 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's like it's almost like so much stuff. It's like wake up, you know, breath work, ice bath, yoga, <laughs> uh, twenty sauna, another yeah, ice bath, <laughs> and it's like all this stuff. And so I think a lot of people see it and they get so overwhelmed because they're like, "Well, you know, I, I work a full time job, I have kids, I have, you know." this stuff going on, like, I can't, like, I can't do that. I can't, you know, get to that level. Um, I don't, I guess, like, do you kind of see that too? And like, I guess if you do see people like that who are so overwhelmed by it, you know, like what, what kind of are your biggest, I guess, like, what are your, like, personally, what do you think are the priorities to kind of hit? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, very good point. It is so easy to get carried away into that space, right? People want to age backwards and maintain their youth. And these are all the hacks. Of course, I mean, cold plunge is big out there in sauna. Um, (laughs) But honestly, you don't have to do everything. And it goes back to what the goals are. Um, And if it's someone that hasn't even started to eat a vegetable or a fruit or even walk outside or anything, that definitely becomes overwhelming. So I definitely, I, I take a step back with them and go back to, well, what is your goal? Don't compare yourself to other people because this is a personalized approach for what gets you going. What's your why? And I think that brings it down to to take a step back and not get overwhelmed. Now, I do have like clients that want to do all that too and will target that way. So it's like both extremes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure you see that. I mean, what do you think is like a good uh, – uh, this is probably like, again – too generic of a question, but I guess, could you give us like a glimpse, like Kevin, to your personal, uh, like, so like Ramina's kind of like daily sort of like routine, like what do you like things that you prioritize? Yeah. What do you emphasize in your, your own personal life? Yeah, definitely. It's a great question. So I wear many hats. So if I'm not doing my shift at the hospital, it's slightly different than it's more of my entrepreneurial side, my business, doing events, trying to manage kids and all that good stuff. Um, but I I truly believe if you put some sort of time into self-care, you can keep up with your why. And those are my whys. And that's what keeps me going. So the first thing, I would say just in general, yes, it is. Um, it may not be the same every day, but I do what I can. And what makes me happy, and I listen to my body. I can listen to those responses. So I'll, first thing I wake up, make sure I don't look at my phone. It's hard, but I put the phone away. It's so hard, yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, we're so glued to our phone and social media, and then, yeah. So I try not to look at my phone. Um, Hopefully the kiddos don't wake up, so I at least have a moment to breathe. Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we feel that. (laughs) And so um, I do that. I just try to breathe, set my intention, and then I go to my to-do list. And some days... um, if I can get in my workout first thing after my breath work, I will, depending on what I want to do. Because my goal is um, I want to maintain muscle because by the time you start in your 30s, you lose muscle mass. Yeah. So the way I target um, for me is it's going to change per um, decade of life, right? So right now I want to build up my muscle, which I'm sure you guys are all about, you know, into this phase too. But, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to build up my muscle, make sure my bones are strong, um, which, you know, ties into, of course, everything, your hormones and how you function. So I focus on that. Um, so some days I might just go do hit lift weights. Um, other days I feel like I want to get more into yoga. Um, so it just really depends on um, – where I'm at and hitting my quota. So if I can at least do four um, types of movement exercises during a busy week, that's great. And then of course, adding in maybe um, recovery with, if it's even yin yoga or whatever the case is, or something more recovery for the mind and body, because you don't want to injure yourself. You don't want to overdo everything. It's balance. (laughs) So I do that. And then of course, uh, meal prep when I can try to cook at home, but, you know, let's be honest, with juggling all our hats, sometimes you got to eat out. So that's okay once in a while. I'll try to shoot for, like, um, the healthier options, like the ones that are, you know, I don't want to name drop every, everywhere, but out here in Texas, we have, like, Luna Girl. I don't know if y'all have that, but no. it's great. It's, like, fresh Mediterranean grilled foods. Oh, and, nice. You know, that, that sounds that, like so. something that we would That's, like, our favorite type, to, yeah. yeah. Like if we yeah, no, I straight up. <laughs> but, you know, I try to do that. And then um, stress relief. Um, so it just, it's important to have that stress relief because when I'm in a stressful environment in a hospital setting, that will tie into the rest of the day. So I keep that intention and breath work going when I feel my heart rate going up, just really in tune the rest of the day. So, you know, I find ways to balance myself. And then that way I could be there for everybody else as well. And my kids getting in that mommy and me time and um all that is very important so that's a little glimpse just a general overview of what I do yeah trying to balance the entire lifestyle I love that and I love that you prioritize just 
the ability to listen to your body and like listen to what your body needs in that moment and knowing that that will change and being okay with that changing and being able to adapt to that. So I did want to rewind a little bit. You had mentioned um, in the beginning, you know, working in like a hospital setting during the COVID time really gave you a glimpse into like insurance-based practices. I mean, that's one thing that I I remember I was listening to a podcast and this guy was talking about how in America, our healthcare system is, it's completely run by insurance. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't truly understand. And you kind of mentioned the labs. Um, And that's a huge thing that I didn't really know is that a doctor you may need a certain lab, but the doctor can be denied from letting you run that lab if insurance doesn't want them to or won't cover it. Um, so I would love for you to talk a little bit. You mentioned like more about the labs and insurance and kind of what you've seen in that realm. Oh, sure. Um, definitely. Insurance dictate, dictates a lot. So does the pharmaceutical company. And that's a whole tangent we could yeah. go into. <laughs> you know, we can, we can but... add to it if you want. <laughs> I think the the main overview is um, as people may think doctors are on a pedestal, but we're not. It's honestly, it's the shareholders, the CEOs of the hospitals. It's a business. It's everyone. Yes, I'm name dropping. Not specifically, but I'm just saying those are the people that are making the money. And unfortunately, the patients are suffering. So if for instance, patients that come here and have a really debilitating illness and are extremely weak, you would recommend getting certain, um, let's say, uh, lab work, like imaging, right? So imaging is easy to get, but maybe they'll get slapped with a bill after they leave because insurance thought it wasn't necessary. So, and same thing with after you leave, sometimes people are not strong enough to leave the hospital. They need to go to like a rehab to get stronger. So despite our medical recommendation, the insurance company who's not a physician will say, well, you don't meet the criteria. That's not a good enough reason. The patient doesn't need this. And you're sitting there arguing, what do you mean? The patient can barely like walk. They have no quality of life. They need this test to, you know, help them to do ABC. And so you're sitting there fighting with them and you have to go back to the patient and tell them, I'm sorry, I couldn't, I have, this is out of my hands. Yeah. And so it's just, it's so heartbreaking, you know, you can't, your patients do what they can. Um, and then they end up in the hospital and unfortunately not every outcome is the best and we're limited. We're literally limited in what we could do long term. That's I mean, that sounds very frustrating, like, honestly. And I know this is like a giant spider web to get tangled in. It really is. Discussion. <laughs> um, but, I mean, <laughs> no, for sure. Like, I, like, I, there's, like no, there's, no, there's no one thing that will be the answer. Like, yeah. it, you know, that's, yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of do want to talk a little bit about your experience back in COVID. Um, and like, I'm not going to get into, like, all the politics of COVID and everything, but... I think one thing that was very interesting was the fact of it just didn't seem like a healthy lifestyle dietary choices were pushed. And I understand in the beginning, you know, to stay inside to, it was unknown to stay away from people. But um, even after a long period of time, a lot of what was coming out was still like, you know, stay inside, don't see the sun. Um, don't exercise, you know, like, um, here's a vaccine, but you get a donut or a free pizza. Yeah. Like Uh, what? (laughs) It just, some of the stuff would just, it seems so counterintuitive and I understand, you know, some of the marketing and I, I, I get it, but I think what frustrated me the most, and I guess what even kind of me personally kind of turned me off with some of the stuff was just like the utter lack of emphasis on, again, a healthy lifestyle like proactive um, health being proactive yeah being proactive about it. like how, i don't know like did you kind of see that like how did you feel being in that oh absolutely it feels like it was a very depressing time i'll tell you that it was a very depressing and scary almost lonely time um and it was mixed signals right it's almost like we as a medical community we're putting our lives on the line um, and there, it was split, right? Like people are like, oh, this isn't real. Um, 
And we actually had some people uh, that would say, oh, this isn't real. They would go into like COVID patient's room, take a deep breath without a mask. And they um, unfortunately did not survive because it was at the the beginning of the pandemic where the strain was deadly. So, I mean, it's just unfortunate. Another trend that we did see is speaking of lifestyles, patients that were chronically ill and, you know, specifically like deficient in um, a lot of like vitamins and just they didn't have the bandwidth to sustain the the debility that COVID would do, they would die pretty rapidly, you know? So there, it even goes to show that leading up to that lifestyle, um, the healthy lifestyle and having chronic diseases, those were the most riskiest patients to have death. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still some young people that died too. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was just unfortunate how COVID just took that over. But for the most part, there was more of a chance for patients with a poor outcome if they didn't have, um, you know, a good lifestyle associated with it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, and it kind of... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it it's it was a weird time because, again, you, you had those people, like you said, who said this wasn't real. And it's like, you can't argue that yeah. there's not a virus going around. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, <laughs> there's there's that camp. Um, but then it was also frustrating to see people like at the grocery store wearing, you know, a mask and a double mask and a, a shield and then had a but cart. Then their cart full was full of soda and pizzas. And... and it's like, why aren't we? I guess it was frustrating on my perspective that our healthcare system wasn't teaching us to be proactive about it like wasn't teaching us what we had control over they made it seem like there was nothing in our control to protect us from from this but there was um so yeah exactly (laughs) it's about putting the right information out there and something i also want to um dive a little bit deeper into is how y'all questioned about um the the functional medicine labs and i think a good lab i like to kind of put an example is in conventional medicine you won't really get a hormone hormones are so big right oh, people yeah. want to no, talk man. about like no. right like no. testosterone progesterone estrogen all those hormones but um to actually dive deep and look at the the labs it's not traditional medicine wise right because they'll look at some simple blood work but that doesn't give you the whole picture so where functional medicine does advanced labs is you actually get more data so you look at there's something called a dutch test i love this test because it's a urine test and it breaks down the byproducts of your metabolism and all the the hormones um and it tells you where in your cycle if you're deficient in certain um you know molecules or vitamins or certain types of hormones are um higher and at a different ratio compared to others it tells you how to target um, where you need to be so that's one example of how advanced the labs are to truly, if you want to even say biohack your system, right? It gives you the data um, and you could target the treatment that way. The other one is like a lipid panel, right? So the lipid, when you go to your regular doctor, they might just do like a simple um, cholesterol test, right? That will only be the good cholesterol, HDL, then there's an LDL, maybe triglycerides, but it gives you a small picture. What the functional labs does is gives you a whole broader picture. So you can actually see, um, you can kind of look at your risk factors before a cardiovascular um, adverse event happens, meaning like if you get um, a heart attack or, you know, things that will lead you up to metabolic syndrome, meaning diabetes or high blood pressure. So the advanced lipid panel so the cholesterol molecule has a bunch of different components one of them um, being the ldl cholesterol it it comes in different um patterns and that's not done in your regular conventional labs so what they've seen is like certain particle sizes and certain patterns so the smaller um more dense ones are going to be a higher risk factor and you will not catch that on our conventional labs so that even gives you a step further like breaks down actual lab particles and so forth so you can personalize your approach. So I'm, I'm curious, like, with the Dutch test and then with the kind of advanced lipid panel, just for our listeners, now, is that something specifically go to a functional doctor for, or can they, you know, can they go to, like, a lab corp and, like, request that? Like, how does that look actually doing that process? Sure. So you 
you probably, um, you would benefit the best by seeing a functional medicine doctor because you will have the information, but then you need to make sure that you're working with someone that knows how to interpret and work with information. So that's where it becomes important to just um, go see a functional medicine physician so they can order the right tests and guide you accordingly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so Charles and I, Charles is active duty military right now. He has been for going on, you know, 11, 12 years. He is getting out this summer and we are very blessed that we have had TRICARE for so long. <laughs> but at the same time, as I'm sure you remember, uh, it's not, they don't go too in depth. And um, one thing we're really excited about when he gets out is to find a functional medicine doctor. Uh, and you mentioned hormones, and that is what I'm so excited yes. to have, especially as a woman. Our hormones are crazy. And oh you, my goodness. <laughs> like you get, you get a, uh, you know, a hormone panel. I've had one after both my girls were born. And they're like, oh, you're in the normal range. I'm like, the normal range? That's like, so huge. It may be quote unquote normal, but it's not my normal, but it's in the or normal optimal, range. Right? It, like exactly. you be yes. Oh my gosh. That's great. It's not optimal, yes. but they won't do anything. Um, so we're really excited about that. That leads me to ask, you know, do you take like virtual patients? Like do your patients for your, um, on, you know, your wellness on the side, doing your functional medicine on the side, is that something that it has to be an in-person client or do you do, um, virtual as well? Oh, absolutely. I do virtual, I do concierge. And that's the beauty of me taking my practice wherever it needs to be. So you know what? Y'all need to come see me. Yes. It doesn't matter. I'll come visit you. (laughs) I love that. So how would that work then if a client wanted to see you virtually? Is it something that you would tell them what labs to go get at like a private lab and then you would just kind of interpret it for them? Or how would that work? Sure. So um, I would first set up a discovery call and make sure, you know, we're we're a good fit and then we can accomplish what your goals are. Um, then I would do a full consult. Um, so a lot of times they either it's a lot of big word word of mouth that people find me or they find me from my website um, or my Instagram and will um, or a lot of the wellness workshop events that I do around um people just uh, want to work with me. So we first um, go through the full consult and it's either way you could get all the labs up front, which um, I, I work on a, uh, it's, it's very convenient. So either I will deliver the advanced labs to your house. So some of them may be a saliva a urine sample or like a pinprick test That's and you bad. just call Cedex and they send it off. The results come to me. Um, so it's really like, doesn't take time out of your day. Yeah, That's awesome. Then for the lab works, like for um, actual blood, there's companies around um, the states that I could just send my order to, and you can go to the one nearest to your house, or we can get a phlebotomist from their lab to come to your house. So it's truly concierge at its finest, um, and I would get all the, the results, um, and we could, the first thing I would do, though, before you even get the labs is start with lifestyle. So there's going to be a, a plan, a lifestyle to start with, um, a small component, behavioral changes, or you know, it just depends on where we need to work continue those while the lab results come in, we can adjust. And if we want to add in certain supplements, we can do that. Again, I deliver it to your door, high quality, third party tested um, brands only. Um, and it's it works well. And uh, another great thing that I love about providing high quality uh, concierge care virtually or in person is people truly get access to me. And that was another uh, component I saw that was missing is people would not hear back from, you know, their primary care doctors for like months or get yeah. in, yep. you know, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. So like <laughs> the access, um, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it makes a difference. So I truly work with whatever people want on a personalized level. I love so. that. And it's not to hate on doctors because like you said, they're, they're limited and I, we have doctor friends and they're told you have 10 minutes with this client and that's exactly. hard. Like that is so hard for them to get the information they need. So it's not to hate on doctors They're They do the best they can with what, you know, they're given. And Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the difference between being, um, limited by insurance right and actually practicing where you can and that's where i love this space because i see both i see both sides <laughs> absolutely now, is do you know i you know we, we've had tricare so i don't know too much about the rest of the insurance companies out there but um are you seeing insurance cover functional medicine 
you know, doctor visits and everything, or is it still, is it still something that's kind of like, I won't say fringe, but like, I guess how does insurance view functional medicine right now? So it would go to your primary specialty board. So the way people practice insurance based in this space is, so since I'm internal medicine, I can work both in the hospital and then also in the outpatient setting. So Physicians that have like family medicine or internal medicine with the extra training of functional medicine or integrative, um, they actually will do a blend of both, right? Because they gotcha. could, okay, they could add in, yeah, if they're truly practicing um, under insurance model, they're limited, but they could still incorporate certain, um, you know, labs like advanced labs wouldn't be covered, um, but you could bill like the visit with. Um, you know, however you would do a normal checkup or a follow-up or a, a preventive care visit. So certain parts would be covered, but the advanced testing, it's typically cash-based. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's what, that's what I expected. Yeah, that's actually... I was curious that's, if was... Yeah, that's better than I expected because I didn't think any of it was covered. So that is nice to know that some of it can still be covered by insurance. Yeah, yeah. Some of it can, definitely. Awesome. Now, I want to... Um, now I kind of want to dive into a little bit more of the supplements and um, I guess like maybe herbs, things like that you might recommend because you mentioned like kind of in like in, in what your service said, I mean, it sounds awesome. Very comprehensive. Again, concierge based, right? Now mm-hmm. what, you could just give a kind of like a quick overview, but when it comes to supplements, what do you typically see being used the most? Like what do you kind of recommend I knew that's a very, very wide paintbrush, but what's your kind of view on supplements and, and herbs? Going, Hold on. Going into that, also, you mentioned protein. I would love for you to tag onto that, your yeah. suggested amount of protein, because I feel like with clients I work with, people are so afraid of protein. <laughs> <laughs> right? People are. There's. It's just, you know, giving the right information. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I get that a lot. And, you know, I don't want to be someone that also is not like, I don't want to push pills, supplements, right. but there's a good place for that because it goes back to how we're, our food isn't as nutrient dense as it used to be. Um, and then of course there's factors if you're taking medicine already. So then that inhibits certain nutrients from being absorbed. So you're deficient. And then also, of course, if your gut is inflamed, you're not absorbing everything you're eating. So you could still be having a healthy diet and lifestyle, but you could still be deficient because of all those reasons. So what I find, I like to have like a basic, I would say basic, because then once you add for certain factors, like if you want to biohack longevity or optimize your mood or hormones that goes different but I think what the best place to start is just keep it simple with your basic foundation of supplements especially as you're getting used to um, sustaining a healthy lifestyle I would say in general a good multivitamin and it has to be the the right type has to be like for instance when you look at b vitamins it has to be the methylated form yeah right because, yeah right like that's how you can tell it's a good vitamin or not is it methylated um so i mean that's one and then i would say more than half i would say even upwards towards like 70 to 80 percent of americans are deficient in vitamin d yeah so yeah like i would i would recommend doing a vitamin d3 plus the k2 for absorption yeah that, no, that's important um, the k2 good yeah right like it's it's good it also helps with mood hormones it taps into so much um and of course the same thing as multivitamins if you have the right building blocks for every pathway it's going to help you everyone's gut is kind of out of whack too right like by the time you reach like i don't even know you're by the time you're a teenager you probably have already had an antibiotic right so no real that's real yeah and people don't realize how much they pardon my language fuck your body up (laughs) (laughs) yes yes heidi absolutely (laughs) um so i mean yeah i would say like a good um probiotic the key is to yes eventually want to have it with food with yogurt kefir kimchi all that good stuff but you want to produce the seed to help it replicate. So like I would say about a 25 to 30, you know, billion CFU of variety of probiotic. That's a good one. Omega threes are pretty deficient too, right? Like those are really big. You could try to eat enough fish or maybe if you don't, 
omega-3s is a good idea. Or if you're vegan, get like, you know, the flaxseed or chia seeds to substitute that. Um, you know, so there's ways to do it. And then I would add in, if your multivitamin doesn't have a magnesium, I would definitely add in a magnesium, but the right type, there's different forms, right? Like the magnesium glycinate, it helps, it's better absorbed. It ties into, um, pain, sleep, all the good stuff, right? Even mood. Yeah. That's, that's actually the, the form that we use, uh, pre bedtime, the glycinate magnesium. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad you do. (laughs) Um, I would say those are the basics. And then fiber, if you're not moving, because that gut has to detox naturally, and then, of course, going with protein. Protein, like, I, I'm big on. Uh, I'm cu- big on pushing protein. <laughs> cu- curious on the fiber. Do you recommend, like, psyllium husk or what? what's your take on the fiber supplements out there? Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it's the one that's going to be helping you move. Um, one of the ones I use has a, a blend um, of a whole bunch of stuff. So they'll use, like, the psyllium and then also adds in, like, the herbal blend. So okay. it's a little bit of both. Yeah. So I like that. And of course, trying to get it from food helps, but sometimes you need a little help. Yeah, no, fiber could be hard to get. I mean, yeah, that's real. So sorry, we cut you off, but back to the protein. Oh, yeah. Okay. So one of the biggest things that um, people are so surprised. So like if you look at the FDA, I mean, not the FDA, the RDA, the recommended daily allowance, it's minimal to prevent deficiency. It's not there to be optimal, right? So it's like 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. That's not enough, right? (laughs) So what I like to push, and I've seen like there's a study out uh, from UTMB, um, they looked at optimal range and this isn't you know talking about like athletes or whatever i'm just saying general for um longevity it's 1.5 to 1.8 that's your range that's your goal range so that's like at least 30 grams per meal right yeah (laughs) and that's that's not that's not even for um and i athletes are saying right and that is like so amazing to hear a doctor say because that is the biggest pushback i get from clients I have them walk me through like an average day of eating and I'm like, you are getting no protein. I'm like, you need to increase your protein. And I start them off just at a baseline of a hundred grams. And that's like, and I said, your goal is like at least one gram per body, you know, pound of body weight. Right. And they're like, they're like, mind is blown. They're like, I can't do that. And I'm like, oh <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> I know, and I think it's just that encouraging people. You can get it in if you're yes. if you're intentional about it. But right. most people don't know, right? And then again, you get the pushback, like, "What? I'm supposed to have that much protein?" And then <laughs> yeah, and then women especially will be like, "But I don't want to get bulky," and I'm like, "Ugh." <laughs> but like, it's okay. I will Trust teach me. you. <laughs> I'll educate you. That's funny. Well, so I I I know it's Sunday, so I want to like you know keep you on for too long but i do want to ask uh, just because we are kava and kayla bells but um do you have you used kava before yes okay. i love kava I, yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's one of the reasons why i was drawn to all too <laughs> <laughs> so tell us tell us how um i guess you use kava do you use it more do you um do the drink um you know do you use it like a tincture like kind of starting day off like what's your what's your take on kava personal use then also have a few, um, I guess, doctor-related questions on kava. Sure. So I actually got introduced to kava um, in in that scene from a friend. Um, going into functional medicine, kava kava was um, one of the options to use to help balance out um, your adrenals, your hormones, um, and mood. So it's been used in that sense. But um, I was introduced to it through one of my one of my friends. I think he was also on your show, but he owns um, the Kava bars here in Dallas as well as Denton. Oh, and yeah. so, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, he's a doctor as well. Yeah, uh, David. Yes, yes, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Friend. Yeah. So um, I told him I might mention him. So here's a shout out, David. <laughs> Dude, David, David's awesome. But yeah, I got introduced um, to the whole concept through his bar. And we actually did a a combined wellness event at one of his bars. We did, I talked about stuff, like I talked about functional medicine and then the girls um, followed it with sound bath and yoga. And we did kava before that. So we could maximize um, the mental benefits of it. So I love to use it um, 
as like a medicinal purpose to use before relaxing um, to just socialize. Um, just in any setting, I just, I love the use of kava. Uh, so you asked me how I liked it. So I actually, I actually like it mixed with coffee. Oh, <laughs> okay. 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 I like the, the blend <laughs> where you get the focus and the relaxation, but then also get like a burst of energy. Yeah. 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 I'll have to try that. Like that. Now, when you mix it with kava, do you use like an extract or do you do the ground form? How do you mix it with your coffee? So, um, at the at the bar, I actually get the ready made drink. But when I'm at home, oh, because okay. of like okay. being um, easy and fast, I actually like the um, the instant kava. Yeah. Okay, so I'm okay. playing around with that one. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, the Fiji one. I think you guys did like a a review on one of those, and I liked it. Um, I still can't get over and and I laugh at this because I know. Um, Y'all have mentioned, like, the earthy, muddy taste. Yes. I still don't find it, like, the best taste, so I'm playing around with yeah. how to make it better. you I mean... It grows know, on it, you. It grows on you. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the feeling, right? So I'll drink it. So, yeah, it... Um, it depends on what I'm feeling. So if it's the instant one at home, maybe I'm winding down. Um, I'll just kind of sip it. Sometimes I'll just add in, like, a little bit of honey or maybe like coconut, um, like cream milk or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how I'll drink it and use it in a social setting and all the above. <laughs> awesome. How about you guys? Well, I, well, first of all, I want to say that's awesome, that um, <laughs> just mutual connection that you know David and the bar out there. Um, I know we, we got to get out to Dallas and check out the bar. And, yeah. And, <laughs> and okay, if you all have a session. Here, we definitely need to like sit down and have some coffee or something. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, so I'm curious um, – a lot of the pushback that, and this is it's ironic because we'll have a lot of people who have been drinking alcohol, right, for you know, yeah, decades, yeah. um, <laughs> which which we know the effects on liver are pretty well documented now. Um, they'll, you know, ask about kava and they'll always will, you know, through their, and I'm sure you get this a lot, like I've done my research, my, you know. AKA Google. I Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> but they always will say um, they're concerned about the effects on the liver. Which uh, I, I just want to point out is like so ironic that they drink alcohol every day yeah. and that's their concern. <laughs> and the the recent studies out now on kava have shown that it's um, the, the prior studies from it's decades ago was shown the effects on the liver is, is a flawed study. Um, and it was on the extract specifically. Yeah, it was on a certain type of extract. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- you know, wh- what's your opinion on the, I guess, the safety of kava? Yeah, I definitely think it's um, it's pretty safe. And a lot of the information and the studies that come out really have to be careful who's funding it too yes. and how it's being analyzed. And then that's how the misinformation comes across and people get scared. And it's funny too. Yes. People drink alcohol or even having NASH, non-alcoholic, um, hepatitis. So that's, or, sorry, he, NASH. It's basically liver failure due to lifestyle, right? Like okay. if you're going to eat junk, that's going to give you liver failure too. So it's like, which one is, going to scare you more alcohol or the junk that you eat kava won't do that and that's you know the the benefit of sticking with plant-based medicine and giving you a better benefit and knowing which resources to trust well thank you for saying that yes we that's (laughs) so awesome to hear and i do i think people again i know when things are different, it's natural for us to be apprehensive and and a little nervous. So I get it, but it is just I just roll my eyes when I'm like literally you post things about wine back Wednesday and and you're concerned about the liver damage of this plant. But okay, so love that a doctor said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like we could um, go on forever, and I would love to do you know a follow up episode. But before we sign off for today, I would love for you to just leave our listeners with any last you know words, and then let them know where they can find you, both on social media and your website as well. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's been an absolute pleasure. I would love to talk again and uh, expand on a part two. Yes. Um, <laughs> I would say I definitely want to leave everybody with a little piece of motivation is, you know, you just start small, whatever 
your why is, that's going to be your driving force. So start small and then small steps will turn into a habit and a lifestyle. You don't have to be afraid and make it complicated. That's one. And then, of course, to find me, to work with me or just chat, I would love to just reach out and talk. Um, you could go to my website. It's www drramina.com d-r-r-e-m-i-n-a.com and my instagram is also keeping it simple it's dr ramina d-r-r-e-m-i-n-a so i'd love to hear from y'all of course and then when we um post this up in the instagram post and everything we'll tag you additionally so everyone can see in the instagram and everything but um no this was uh I'm I'm super stoked that yeah, we got this. Yeah, this was an this amazing. I'm really excited for our listeners to hear this. I think they're going to love it, and so we really appreciate you taking the time on a Sunday. I know um, for our listeners, it's Sunday today, uh, so we thank you for taking the time, and we're excited to to get this up. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no, Ramina. Again, we appreciate it, and we will talk to you soon.